The word of God for us today is from Mark chapter 3, verses 20 through 35. You'll notice during the sermon that I'm going to kind of, I'm not going to ignore it, but I'm not going to talk about it either. There's a section in the middle about Jesus and Beelzebub and the Prince of Demons. During the month of June, we're going to look at what Mark has to say, what Jesus has to say about demons and those kind of things. So we'll come back to that theme that Mark has later in June. Today, we'll listen to what Jesus has to say about family. But I want to read it to you because it all fits together. It's the way the Holy Spirit gave it to us. So today, from Mark chapter 3, beginning at verse 20. Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, He's out of his mind. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, He's possessed by Beelzebul, by the prince of demons he is driving out demons. So Jesus called them over to him and began to speak to them in parables. How, how can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. Truly I tell you, people can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. He said this because they were saying he has an impure spirit. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers, he asked. Then he looked around at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my mother, is my brother and sister and mother. This is the word of our God. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus Christ, you call us, bring us into your family by baptism, and you keep us in that family by word and supper. We pray, Lord, let the words of my mouth, mouth and the meditating of our hearts, let it all be pleasing in your sight. O oh God, you are alone, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. To all you mothers out there, happy Mother's Day. I hope today is a happy, joyful, celebratory day. Although I think it should be said on a day like today that, that Mother's Day, in my mind, maybe yours too, is a little bit like Father's Day, like Thanksgiving, not Father's Day, like Thanksgiving. And what I mean, well, maybe like Father's Day too, but I'm not going to comment on that. What I mean is Thanksgiving is something we should be doing all the time. It shouldn't, we, we don't want to relegate it to a one day a year. Mother's Day, and not so much Mother's Day, but the, the honoring and the valuing and the thanking God for our mothers and thanking moms, moms for being mothers, for mothering us, is, is, is something that we want to be doing all of the time. But I still hope today's a good day. 
I hope that your brunch, that your lunch, that your ball game, that whatever you do with your family and friends is a, is a day full of thanksgiving, most of all to God, who gave you to your children and who gave your children to you so that you became a mother. I hope that you have a really great Mother's Day. But, but I do think it should be said today that Mother's Day, as much as it is full of joy, can also at times be full of pain. And, and sometimes the pain that mothers feel, I'm not a mother so I can't speak from experience, but I can guess, the pain that mothers feel can sometimes, be can sometimes overshadow the joy that they feel. And, and mothers, you can kind of imagine, but let me poke and prod your, your mind just a little bit, the pain of an empty seat at the table, the pain of burying a child, the, the, the pain of the child that you wanted but didn't get, the child that you conceived but never held, the child who you have a very estranged and strained relationship with, the, the child with whom you have a really difficult relationship. And it's not just mothers who have pain like that on a day like today. It's, it's the kids who no longer have mom around. On a day like today, there, there, it's very clear that there's joy but also pain. Today, I can't help but think about, about the women of the Bible who felt this pain. I think of Hannah. Remember Hannah in the, in the book of Samuel? She went to God's house year after year. Petrus, you can put, your, put the picture up. She went to the temple year after year. And what did she want? A child. A son. Finally, God did give her the son that she longed for. But, but all of those years, she longed and she prayed desperately longing for a son. I can't help today but think about Naomi. You know, in the book of Ruth, whose life, she said, God made bitter. She and her family, they moved to a foreign land. She buried her husband and her two sons in the foreign land. So when she sat down for Mother's Day brunch, there were three empty seats at the table. I wonder how Mary felt when Jesus said what he said. Just to set the scene for you, Jesus and his disciples, he had, they, had they came home. And Jesus and his disciples, they, when they came home, the whole city, the whole town of Capernaum, they came to the place where Jesus and his disciples were. It, it was almost like they were shoulder to shoulder, seat to seat, everybody on top of everybody. And Jesus was so pressed upon for work and for teaching and for healing that he didn't have a chance to move. He didn't have a chance to eat. He didn't have a chance to drink. He couldn't do anything. And his, his mom, Mary, and his brothers and sisters, they heard about this. They heard about how Jesus was going about his ministry and they, they thought about, they looked at him and he said, this guy, this brother of ours, this son of mine, he's out of his mind. He just needs to take a break. He needs to take a rest. He needs to eat some food. He needs to drink some water. He needs to take care of himself. He's out of his mind. They hoped that if they could just get Jesus away from the crowd for a minute, he could get his wits about him. And so they went to the house where Jesus was, but you know what happened when they got there. It was like they were on the outside looking in. 
It was full up right to the door so that Mary and the brothers and sisters, they couldn't get in, but instead they sent word through the telephone game. Tell Jesus we're outside. They hoped that if they sent that message in and the people heard it inside, that, that Jesus and his disciples, they'd say, well, blood is thicker than water. We got to come back out. I got to come out to my family. But instead, did you catch what Jesus did? Let me read it to you again. Who are my brothers and sisters? He asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. I wonder how Mary felt. I wonder if a sword began to pierce her own soul as Jesus said these things. I wonder if she walked back to her home with a little bit of sadness in her heart, maybe a tear on her cheek. Could it be that Mary's sadness was so great because she had made her life all about being a mother, all about being the blood of Jesus, and that she found her value in being a mother and caring for her child more than anything else. I want to try to put my finger on something this morning, and I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit does something good with it. And I want to try to put my finger on the pain that you mothers specifically, particularly, might feel today and ask you to do some thinking. Because it is no secret and it is no lie that there is real pain that mothers, that fathers, that all parents feel as they live with their children. But it, could it be that sometimes the depth of our pain is because of something else? Could it be that as parents, mothers specifically, I'm, it's Mother's Day so I'm picking on moms, could, could it be that at times we make our children or even the role of being a mother into the end uh, on its own, an, an idol, if you will? Could, could it be that we so center our lives around our children that they are the center of our universe and we sacrifice time and energy and marriage relationships and, and everything else, even our faith walk, for the sake of our children? Could it be that, they, that they, they are the altar to which we sacrifice everything rather than God? Or could it be that some of our pain that we feel in our relationships with relating to our children is because of guilt? Because as we think about our children, we know how we've let them down. We know how we failed them. We, we have, I don't know about you mothers, but I have, I'm a father. I have images of my failures in my head. I have sounds of failures in my head. And maybe you do too. And so some of the pain that I feel in my relationships with my children, maybe you do too. Could it be that it's because of guilt? Because I've sinned against them and I've sinned against God. Or could it also be shame? I think it's important. There's a whole sermon here. But I think it's important to distinguish between guilt and shame. 
Guilt is I did something wrong and I deserve punishment because of it. Shame is there's something wrong with who I am. Could it be that some of the pain that we feel as mothers, as parents, as people, is because we recognize there's something wrong with us? On a day like today, we, mothers, I hope, I hope you feel this way. I hope you feel loved and encouraged by your family. But what happens tomorrow when your children talk back, when they disrespect and dishonor and don't clean their room like they tell you to, when they raise their voice at you? How do you feel about yourself then? Could it be that some of the pain that you feel is shame too? There's a saying, there's a saying that goes like this, that blood is thicker than water. And, and what, me, what people mostly mean when we say that kind of thing, when we say that blood is thicker than water, we mean that the, the blood, the biological, the family relationship of that family unit is tighter and thicker and deeper than, than any other relationship that exists. I think Mary was banking on that. When she and the brothers and the sisters, they showed up at the door and said, said, tell Jesus we're outside. I think she was banking on this idea, this truth, that she was the blood mother, the biological mother of Jesus. That she had changed his diapers and put him to bed. And she, she expected that that blood relationship was tighter, was deeper than water. But then Jesus looked at the crowd around him. This crowd around him who had just come to hear him teach. I want to do this so you can kind of get the sense. Jesus was right in the middle of them all. He wasn't in the front with that lectern talking around. He was right in the middle of the crowd. They were here. They were there to, to hear his teaching. They were there to be cared for by Jesus. And then Jesus looked at all the people around him. Here. Here are my mother and my brother and my sister. Here, the ones who love my word, who do the will of my God, these are my mother and my brother and my sister. And what Jesus did in that moment is he turned around and looked at all the people around him. He turned the saying on its head. Instead of saying that blood is thicker than water, he, he was in essence saying this water is thicker than blood. Jesus wasn't quite talking about baptism there, but I am. In the waters of baptism, Jesus says, this is the, that's the first fill-in. Jesus was saying that this water that you pour on people in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, this water is thicker and deeper and tighter than blood. This, this water makes you family with me. See, see baptism is the sacrament that, that makes us family. It's the, it's the sacrament that adopts us into family. It's the sacrament that makes God our father, Jesus our brother, and the rest of us brothers and sisters. It's the sacrament, dear people of God, that removes guilt, washes it away. So the guilt that you have Guilt is something you have, not something you feel. The guilt that you have because you've done things, baptism is the sacrament that removes it. 
Baptism is the sacrament that removes shame. Shame is something you feel. And what does baptism give to us? Glory. It, it robes us. We say this. It robes us. The scriptures say this too. It robes us. It clothes us with the righteousness of Christ. So that when God looks at us and we look at each other, can we start to see each other this way? When we look at each other even, we see not the guilt of sin or the shame of failure, but rather the righteousness of Christ. See, see water is thicker than blood and his blood, next fill in, his blood is thicker than death. Before I gave a passing mention to Naomi, Naomi who went with her, with her husband and her, bro- and her sons to a foreign land, her sons got married, and, and then she buried her sons in the foreign land. I, I talked to you about Naomi's loss, but I didn't share with you Naomi's gain. See, what Naomi gained was a daughter. She, she gained Ruth. And, and I want to tell you a briefly Ruth's story. It's, it's a phenomenal story. Naomi is bitter. She's broken. She's weeping. She says, just leave me alone. Ruth, you and Orpah, you stay here in Midian. My life is bitter. You shouldn't suffer with me. And Ruth said this. Where you go, I will go. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. Far be it from me, if anything, even death separates the two of us. Ruth promised her mother-in-law that we're not blood, but she promised her brother-in-law, I will not leave you. Now, there's something really fascinating about the story of Ruth. I hope you get to know it sometime. Maybe we'll have to preach through it sometime because it's just, it's a rich, rich book full of Christ themes all the way through. It's a story of redemption and love and, and family, all those things. But the thing that's the most fascinating about Ruth's story is her blood. The book of Ruth ends with a genealogy. And that genealogy starts with Ruth and Boaz And if you follow it through the rest of Scripture, it tracks all the way down to Jesus. So Ruth's blood tracks all the way down into the blood and DNA of Jesus. His blood is thicker than death. See, Jesus, when he became a human, let me read to you. I've got to go back in my thoughts. The writer of the Hebrews tells us this about Jesus. He shared in our humanity so that by his death, he overcame him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and set us free. See, in the body, in the flesh of Jesus lives the the blood of Ruth and Naomi and Mary and you. Jesus took up your humanity and died your death so that you will live. See, I want you to understand something. Water connects us to him. His blood connects him to you. That's the last fill-in. Water connects us to him. His blood connects him to you. See, he shares commonly in our humanity He took up blood, and then he spilled it. 
which means that through all of this, we're family with Jesus. He calls you my mother, my brother, my sister. We're family by water and the blood. I want to close today with two encouragements specifically for mothers. It's Mother's Day, so you would expect nothing less. Two encouragements, mothers. Number one, this is, there's no fill-ins. Don't worry. Just hear the gospel. Your value and your identity is as a child of God first. Who you are is His child. Jesus, hear Jesus call you today my mother, my sister. Water makes you family. Water makes you His. Water binds you to Him. Water covers your shame. Water removes your guilt. Your highest value and identity is His, dear mother, and His, dear sister. And two, your work as His mother and as His sister is simply to do what God gives you to do. Mothers, your altar of worship to your Savior Jesus is changing a diaper, cleaning the dishes, whatever it is that you do as a mother. I know that I was stereotyping mothers just now. I know that mothers do way more than change diapers and do the dishes. In fact, maybe it's the dads that do that. Your highest work as a child of God, as the mother of Jesus, your altar for honoring him is to do the work of mothering is to do the work of parenting. That's the work. That's where we honor our God and our Savior who, is, who binds himself to us. So please hear Jesus today. As he looks around at all of you, as he looks around at all of us, and says to you, here, here are my mother and my brother and my sister. Whoever does the will of my, God, of my father, that one, that one is my mother. That one is my sister. That one is my brother. Amen? Amen. Now the God of peace grant you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Amen.